My name is Nate Lelly, and I've started this new podcast called In Construction Influencers to be a resource for the construction and real estate community. I will take you behind the scenes to meet the people shaping the state of Indiana for the better. I've been in commercial construction management for over 25 years, specializing in industrial and retail, senior living, and healthcare. My favorite are restaurant projects because of the grand openings. I love to come up with new and innovative ways to solve problems. This is where the genesis of this podcast came from. Through these experiences, I've been fortunate to make great friendships with many influencers in those markets. I'm going to bring you into those relationships to hear what makes construction move in this state. Through their personal stories, listeners will gain awareness of the most innovative construction projects in the state, maybe even a discussion on Bigfoot or two. I'm honored to be your host for our discussions. I'm excited you're joining me today as this is the first episode of In Construction Influencers with my guest, Jacob Everett, Economic Development, Site Selections and Incentive Consultant with McGuire Sponsel. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Thank you for being on. I appreciate your time. How did you get into economic development, Jacob? Yeah, so I think... um... Like most people in, in the economic development world, I fell into this career. Um, I think that's pretty common. Um, economic development as a profession, you know, takes a lot of different skill sets and there's a lot of different approaches to it. So um, I think the cool thing about the industry is you end up with people with backgrounds in government, finance, real estate, uh, workforce, you know, labor, HR kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a cross section of different backgrounds which makes it a pretty cool industry but yeah that was my experience i worked in the private sector for a little while coming out of college and all that and then uh where did you go to college jacob i went to ball state ball state i'm a cardinal yeah so i fell into uh work, workforce development so um you know the the, the programs and, and systems around indiana that help you know workers and connect workers the in, industry and things like that and that that court that that ecosystem works hand in hand with economic development. So that was really my first exposure. So I was able to jump from there into full time economic development in Blackford County, which is just north of Muncie, and spent a good good amount of time there doing industrial you know recruitment and retention of businesses, worked on some community development issues, things like that, and found my way to Indianapolis, worked in the central Indiana region for a few years, and then most recently came over to the private sector side and consulting with companies and advising them on their expansion decisions. When you're getting into that line of work, do you, is there any type of mentor that, that you kind of relied on or somebody that kind of helped you navigate through Blackford County and Indy Chamber over to McGuire? It's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool kind of professional network that we have here in Indiana. You know, I assume it's similar in other states, but the network that I got 
you know, brought up in was, was obviously in Indiana. And it was incredible to me as a, you know, years ago as a young economic developer, just how open and accessible professionals around the state were. I mean, in some respects, we compete against each other, right? Because, you know, you're trying to get investment and jobs into your community. But at the same time, we're all kind of in it together, trying to make the state, you know, better and a better place to live and work. And people are very generous with their time and their ideas. And uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's an industry where we share ideas freely. And, you know, if we figure out something works to make the community better, then we try to we try to mirror that in other communities. Um, but no, I've got a good friend. He's more of a contemporary than a mentor. Um, but I followed him to Blackford County. So he was there. And when he left, I, I took the job there. And he's just a good friend. And he's in Michigan now doing economic development. And just someone that uh, really challenges me to have a different perspective on things. And, you know, we're in the same line of work in, in many ways, but we think about things very differently. And that's, you know, I find that really healthy and inspiring to, you know, take risk and think creatively and look at things differently. And, and he and I are good friends, even though we look at the world a lot differently. And that's been super helpful to me to stay in touch with him and bounce ideas off of him. So and it's great that he's able to challenge you, get you to open your mind a little bit, maybe. That's right. Yeah. You know, we can't look at the same thing the same way every day, right? You've got to find different ways to look at it. And he's really good at that. Really creative, really uh, willing to take risks, you know, do things that are creative and, and uh, not get, get paralyzed by, you know, analysis and stuff like that. Just going for it. Sometimes that's the right thing to do. Oh, that's great. Always uh, enjoyed that mentor protege process. And so I appreciate you sharing that. So, so now, now you're at McGuire Sponsor. What's that role look like for you? Yeah, so the firm itself, uh, McGuire Sponsor's been around for quite a while, headquartered here in Indianapolis. Um, a lot of people, I think, get us confused and think we're an accounting firm. We're not We're not really an accounting firm. We, we actually serve the accounting and industry in the private sector. We're, we're really specialty advisors that are related to tax. So we do we do four very specific things, and none of those are file, file your tax return. So we're, we're not CPAs and things like that, but the, the services we provide impact a company's tax returns and, and their tax liabilities and things like that. So the four things we do are research and development tax credits. So state and federal research and development tax credits, helping uh, companies secure those credits and, and all that kind of stuff. We do something called cost segregation, which anytime a, a company's buying or constructing or, or doing a major renovation of a real estate asset, uh, there's an opportunity to accelerate your appreciation. So um, it's, it's a cash flow tool. Um, you have to do a study and improve how those assets need to be depreciated and that accelerates cash flow and there can be some, some major benefits to companies there. We have an international tax arm. So we have some consultants that specialize in helping companies figure out anything that has to do with international business, whether that's exporting, importing, a company coming to the U.S. for the first time, any sort of cross-border transactions. And then the fourth um, is, is my specialty area, which is site selection, credits, and incentives. So uh, we do everything from help companies figure out where they should locate, you know, in terms of labor costs and, and all those tax tax impacts of different states, those kind of things. We help those companies negotiate incentive packages, you know, to land their investment and job creation in certain municipalities around the country. So really to serve as a as an advisor on uh, the growing companies that are looking to make investments in that jobs and we help them make the best decision they can. That's great. So um, maybe getting into the weeds on some of the deals that you're doing, if you can. Um, did you tell me that uh, 
last week you were down in Charlotte, made a day trip to Charlotte. So that means you're not just in Indiana, you're more than Indiana. Yeah, that's right. So our firm is headquartered here in, in Indianapolis. Um, we also have an office in Atlanta. We have an office in Louisville. Uh, we have um, a few people in Raleigh, North Carolina as well. So we have a good footprint kind of in the eastern half of the U.S. Um, as a firm, we do business in, in pretty much all 50 states, but you know, obviously a heavy footprint here in the Midwest and the Southeast. Uh, so uh, we do a ton of work on my team, on the credits and incentives and site selection team in, in, the, in Indiana. Uh, but yeah, we do a ton of work in the Southeast and other parts of the country as well. We've been in Texas. We're doing something up in Canada right now. We've got some stuff on the East Coast. So really, where, you know, wherever the, whatever's driving the client in certain locations is, is where we work. Um, but yeah, I was down in, uh, in North and South Carolina last week for a client. So uh, this is a good example of a project that my team would work on. We've got a company based in the, in the, in the Plain State, so west of the Mississippi, um, very successful there. Uh, it's their only facility, and they're out of capacity. And they, they're saying, "Okay, well, we need uh, a second location. It doesn't make sense to put it right where we are because we've got customers and suppliers all over the country." And and they determined they wanted to be somewhere you know, east of the Mississippi. So we focused on, you know, kind of Kentucky, Indiana, and all the way through the southeast. And we helped them analyze different real estate opportunities and different, you know, tax environments across the different states in the Southeast and looked at labor markets and all those kind of things. And we've been working on this project for a few months and we're, we're getting closer to the finish line. So last week was, was one of those important steps where we went and put eyes on a few buildings that they're considering in the Carolinas and uh, had a really good visit. And we're, we're really down to those final few communities, one here kind of in the southern Midwest and then one there in the Carolinas and trying to figure out what's the best solution for them in terms of, you know, lease rates, tax environment, what incentives are available, what the labor forces look like. We're really kind of down to those very, very fine details. So pretty exciting project for, you know, any state manufacturing client, 40 to 50, you know, good paying jobs, you know, coming to whatever community they choose and it's good, good stuff. So I mean, as, as hectic as 2020 was, I mean, there's still lots of good opportunities, um, certainly in the industrial sector, you know, e-commerce, distribution, food processing, you know, traditional manufacturing, kind of heavy industry stuff. It's all, there's all that, it's all out there. The, the yeah. market's still moving along. So like the project uh, that you're talking about, I mean, you had to do a lot of, a lot of dig into some weeds on uh, the details of of a lot of different communities on, on where something like that would go. And you're really working for the client and, and going wherever he wants to go. Right. So um, you had to research several communities for that. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, a client will, will do a logistics and, and freight, you know, study looking at their networks. Uh, other times they, they focus in on kind of where their raw materials are coming from and where some of their suppliers and customers are. And yeah, so, you know, again, in this example, they gave us some direction on, Hey, we think this is the general part of the country we should be in. And, and then we went to work to try to show them, you know, the pros and cons of those different states and different locations. And there's a matrix matrix of factors, right? It's labor, it's tax, it's cost, it's, it's right. logistics, all those kind of things. Right. Yeah. yeah we, we don't do brokerage work ourselves. So we, we provide a lot of guidance and insight, you know, to our clients and give them direction. But at the end of the day, we, we partner with on pretty much every deal. We end up partnering with, you know, real estate brokers and, and pulling their expertise as well to supplement ours. And at the end of the day, try to get the client 
a low risk, you know, high probability of success, you know, solution for, for their expansion. You wrote an article for Inside Indiana Business, the statewide budget shortfalls. What do you think that's looking like? Is that going to really uh, be a shortfall? I, I mean, I think the reality is there's no way that governments at all level, right? Federal government, state government, local governments, there's going to there's gonna be real impacts, right, from what happened in 2020 across all the tax streams, right? You know, property right. tax payments got delayed, sales taxes certainly got hampered. You know, people were couldn't go to the mall, couldn't go to the movies, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you look at, you know, entertainment, food and beverage taxes, convention, hotel, all that. I mean, there, there's just going to be real impacts to those things, right? How big and how deep those impacts are, I mean, it's probably still to be determined, but um, the, the genesis of that article was, you know, those impacts are real. Governments have to deal with those. Um, we can't just pretend that we can't just live in a deficit, you know, perpetually. And we can't pretend that the budget's just magically going to fix itself. And so I think there's there's tough decisions for sure that elected officials have to make. But the point of my of my article was that you know it's a balancing act, and it's always a balancing act of trying to create a, a business friendly, you know, pro development, pro growth environment but also being responsible with taxpayer dollars and, and, and not, you know, getting, uh, getting ahead of yourself. It's always a balancing act and, you know, elected officials got to be really, you know, thoughtful about how they, you know, do things that are fiscally responsible and, and balance budgets and all those kind of things. But at the same time, you got to stay aggressive. You got to continue to attract jobs and investment and those kind of things. So that was the point of my article was that, we can't just assume we're going to cut our way back, right? We can't just slash slash programs, slash spending. I mean, there may be some cutbacks that are necessary and, and that that are prudent, but the the real key to getting back to where we need to be, the surpluses and a growing economy and growing tax revenues is is by is by growth, right? And that's growth of the private sector. So right. in right. the world we live in, private sector growth is driven by, you know tax rates, tax incentives, you know, programs to support worker training, all that kind of stuff. And if you cut away a lot of that, it's going to make, it's going to make it harder to grow. So it's got to be a two-pronged solution of being smart with the money and the budget we have, but also continuing to invest in programs and policies and incentives and all those kind of things that support growth. So while we're being responsible on our spending, we're continuing to add to that top line, grow jobs, grow investment, grow taxes. With the pandemic and all that, probably some of that growth is just going to slow a little bit. But you think the outlook for 21, 22, 23, the vaccines in place will be coming back? The growth yeah, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to know kind of what the new normal looks like. But but I do I do know that since probably June, July of, of last year, 2020, and then through you know where we are today in 2021, I mean, the industrial sector's pretty much on fire uh, i mean it's just, it's just booming so uh, i don't see anything telling me that's going to slow down um so that creates obviously tons of ripple effects in the economy right, right. I mean, industrial manufacturing distribution you know firing on all cylinders keeps a lot of people busy keeps a lot of people at work keeps a lot of money flowing um the office market and you know the downtowns and all that kind of you know urban density stuff i don't your guess is as good as mine. I wish I had an answer on that, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, I think offices are, people want to come back to the office. They want to get out of their house, but uh, they like the option of staying at home. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there will be a new normal. 
you know, some sort of blend of flexibility and how the offices are used will probably be slightly different, but I just don't know what that looks like. So, I mean, I think as a, as a state and as a country, we, we probably should be optimistic that the industrial sector remains strong and hopefully that will carry our economy as these other things kind of sort themselves out, right? From my coming from a construction background, I like to ask, you know, you know, is your pipeline strong? Do you feel like there's a lot of work? You've kind of mentioned that before. There's a lot of work out there. So this pipeline seems to be strong. And if everything holds true now, we should, we should be in a, without being a full-on economist, we should be in a road to recovery, right? It really does seem like it. I mean, again, there's, there's certainly sectors of the economy that are still really hurting which means there's sure. certain you know, parts of the labor market that are really hurting. But I just haven't seen what we saw like in 08, you know, where kind of everything just went down altogether. I mean, there's certain parts of the economy that continue, from my vantage point, continue to remain strong. So I think that's a good sign. That can't last forever. We need that's all right, parts of the economy to heal and be strong. But I'm optimistic that at least we're, we don't have everything trending down, right? We've got some right. really strong things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It does seem to be trending that way. You're currently on the Indiana Economic Development Authority's Legislative Committee, and that's in session now. Any news you can share? That's right. I, I sit on that committee with some of my peers and colleagues around the state, and we, you know, we monitor legislation and advocate for certain things that impact economic development as a whole. You know, general, general, right. broad term of economic development around the state, and you know, it's a budget year, and and obviously we were just talking about some of the budget concerns and. You know, certainly the legislature has a challenge on its hands trying to thread the needle of passing the right budget and possible and also facilitating growth. You know, part of our position as a, as a committee, you know, representing economic development is, is kind of in line with what I talked, you know, talked about before. We have, we have obviously a great, you know, tax and fiscal structure here in the state. You know, we're a good place to do business, but, you know, it still takes tools, you know, like incentives and, programs and other things to support and attract growth. And so I think one of the things we're focused on is really just making sure we don't, as a state, you know, through through new new legislation, restrict or take away any of the tools we have, right? So right. we're a good state to do business in. We have low cost, you know, cost of doing business and taxes, but, you know, we need those tools. So whether that's tax abatement or TIF or training dollars, all those kind of things, what we don't want to see happen is we take take a bunch of that away and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're less competitive and attracting new investment. So that's kind of one of the main main tenets that we're focused on. And there's always every session, which you know is not necessarily bad, you know, there's challenges to well, you know, things like TIF, you know, should there be more restrictions on it, how is it used and all those kind of things. And those are not necessarily bad discussions, but um, you know, TIF is one of our few tools at the local level. Uh, very impactful. And so that's sure. something that we, you know, try to make sure we, we keep a lot of flexibility and, and make it a valuable tool like it is today and, and not let significant changes be made that would restrict its use. Seems like a very valuable tool in the municipalities help them grow. It's one of the few tools where municipalities can, can capture some revenue, you know, to do ambitious projects, whether that's, you know, quality of life projects or infrastructure projects, you know, that are you know, these are 10, 20, 30 year impact projects, right? They're going to be, you know, if you build a road, it's going to be there for a long time. If you spend a, you know, a lot of money on, you know, some sort of quality of life project, it's going to be there for a long time. Right. And in the normal cash flow of, of cities and towns and counties around the state, there's just not buckets of money sitting around for those kind of things. So without TIF, it's really hard to finance some of these 
things you need to do today to prepare yourself for a 30-year success runway on a project. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's an effort, you know, out there with um, uh, one of the state agencies in Indiana um, and a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Russ, over at uh, TMAP, groups called TMAP, Talent Map. Uh, so they're very focused on um, using data and technology to help identify and recruit talented people and try to get them to uh, live and work and and become residents of Indiana. So there's some legislation out there right now that potentially um, would provide some incentives for individuals. Uh, we've seen other states and communities do this. So, you know, it's kind of a, a carrot, right? If you, if you move to this community or this state, you know, there'll be some, some dollars available that you can use for a down payment on a house or to, you know, cover relocation expenses and those kind of things. So the legislature's taking a look at providing some funding to get into that game. So I think it'd be a combination of the state utilizing, you know, those carrots, those dollars. Um, yeah. Mike's group over at TMAP, you know, using their infrastructure they built to identify who some good targets are for people around the you know, country that might be motivated to move to this state and trying to connect those dots. And, you know, it's always a good, it's always a good effort to try to increase the population, certainly with skilled, you know, workers. So educated, credentialed, whatever that may be, try to get good people moving into our communities across the state. You know, that's a good effort. So I think there's some good oh, potential great. behind that bill and hopefully they'll, we'll give it a shot and, and see if they can get some good results with that funding. That's a great program. I really like that. The thought of that. Um, I, I talk to a lot of architects and engineers and, and, and they're often trying to search people from out of state um, to come in instead of stealing from just other local companies that are looking for people out of state. And so if there's more incentive for people to do that, it seems like that would help out quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for the state to be proactive and trying to help, basically what you're doing is you're having the state and, and even local communities to partner with the state and provide some additional incentive. But really what that's doing is helping your private sector, right? Helping right. your private sector get these people where they need them to be. You know, and then there's the whole remote worker thing, which obviously after 2020, remote works, you know, going through the roof in terms of the percentage of population that's working that way. So, you know, there's even more flexibility, right? Even if your job is in another state, if, if Indiana is a good option for you um, yeah, to come here and work remotely. So that's not bad either, right? Because right. those people are living in our communities, the kids are going to our schools, you know, they're shopping in our stores. All those ripple effects are good things too. Each podcast will ask three not so serious questions to get to know you better. And the first one is, uh, what's your favorite book or a book you're reading now? Thought about podcasting? The All Indiana Podcast Network can help you create, produce, and distribute your podcast for businesses, churches, organizations, or just for fun. Get the details when you email contact at allindianapodcast.com. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of a nerd, and so I really like like his, historical kind of novels, historical fiction, or historical you know based you know stuff. So there's one I'm reading now. I forget the name of it. It's about the uh, Chicago World Fair. It's pretty fascinating about how how all that came together, and they you know, do all these. Uh, you you might like it, Nate, because it's got a construction bent to it. Yeah. You know, how the architects and engineers, and how they put up all these you know magnificent structures in Chicago. To you know, they were, oh, one yeah, of their goals sure. was to try to be the Eiffel Tower because previously the World Fair was in Paris, and that's when they unveiled the unveiled the Eiffel Tower. So they're trying to figure out how to American you know, construction industry can construct stuff that's better and cooler than the Eiffel Tower and all the political yeah. uh, machinations that went on behind the scenes. And just 
pretty interesting. There's still a lot of those buildings and parks are still in Chicago from from those days, right? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, apparently Chicago was also a uh, a challenging place to to build tall buildings because the soil there is so different than other parts of the country. So they had to come up with new techniques on how to stabilize these, you know, the foundations of these things so they could build on them in that soil. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, oh, that's great. What was your first R-rated movie? Do you remember? I don't. You know what? But I can tell you, you know what my first CD was, which makes me sound really old. And yeah, we don't even use CDs anymore. But I remember when CDs were a new thing. Throwing Copper by Live. Remember oh the no, kidding! Live? Throwing, I remember it, man. Like first CD I ever owned. God, I can picture it right now. So Throwing you had copper. albums, you had cassettes and things like that. But the first CD was the Throwing first CD, Copper. Man, was Live Throwing Copper. I don't remember my first CD. My first album altogether was Michael Jackson. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, that by date. Yeah, I remember the. Uh, yeah, I remember like you had the CD players that you plugged into your car, like through like oh, yeah. cassette tape, and yeah, got a bumpy road. It would skip, and I mean, <laughs> these kids today, right? They just yeah, that's right. iPhone and it's perfect, perfect quality. And... Start it over again. <laughs> do you believe in Bigfoot, and why? You gotta, you gotta have belief, Nate. I mean, <laughs> if you don't believe in life, what are you doing every day? You gotta That's have exactly right. Oh, my, my position on Bigfoot is Nate. Somebody proved to me that he doesn't exist. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, there, so maybe there, you know the big world. Maybe he's out there somewhere. There's, there's proof, folk, some folklore in California and Canada that that there's been sightings. So you're in the attitude of somebody proved to me that those aren't true, huh? That's right. Why not? Why not? I love it. (laughs) The the logo of Bigfoot is almost as recognizable as like Michael Jordan and LeBron James and those type of logos as well. So a great point, you know, a silhouette of of something that potentially doesn't even exist has a brand recognition of, like you said, the, the Nike swoosh or the Jordan, right? That's right. That's right. Well, Jacob, I appreciate you being on the show, uh, first show. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they How would they do that? You can check out our – if you go to mcguiresponsal.com, you can find my email address and things like that on there. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. If you hit me up on LinkedIn, you'll be able to find me that way or, or just Perfect. track out Nate. All right, Jacob, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nate. Appreciate it. You've been listening to In Construction Influencers with Nate Lelly, the leader for Indiana Construction and Real Estate Development News. If you have questions or ideas for this podcast, please email me at the email nate at natelelly.com. That's N-A-T-E at N-A-T-E-L-E-L-L-E dot com. And thanks for listening.